Movies and Booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk. Right, you are. We are back in the Sugar Club. It is indeed uh, time for Movies and Booze. Leslie Williams, Fanula Jones and Arlene Hunt join us uh, up on the stage. Good afternoon uh, to you all. Good afternoon. Hello, guys. Uh, so what two movies are we going to be talking about, Arlene? Uh, Thor and Joyride. Right. And Thor is... It's the fourth, uh, it's the fourth Thor movie. This is uh, Thor... Uh, Love and Thunder. Thunder. Love and Thunder. And it's, uh, the, the, it's the second movie that... Uh, uh, Taika Waititi has uh, filmed for Marvel, so that he did Thor Ragnarok before this, which is a huge, huge success. Uh, and because it's Love and Thunder, is it is it a kind of romancey story? There's there's romance in it. There's also thunder in it. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it does what it says in the tin. Yeah. And and Joyride is uh, I've got Olivia Coleman doing an Irish accent. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to point out that Olivia Coleman's an amazing actress, uh, but that Irish accents are hard to do. That's, that's, <laughs> I, think that's I think that's fair. Uh, but yes, yeah, so Joyride is it's um, Emma Reynolds' debut feature film as okay. well, and it was it sort of debuted in the Galway Fla there during the week. Um, yeah, so it's it's a it's a it's a it's a uh, kind of a heartfelt little movie, but it's it's almost like in two places. I'll get to the meat and bones of it in, in a while, but uh, it's about, basically it's about two people who go on the run and how they cope, basically, as, as they're going on the run. So she's one of the people, so she's a solicitor, and the other is a 12-year-old boy who's not okay. related to her. Right, okay. And they like it's a road movie around Ireland, then? Around Kerry, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's nice. Is, uh, Kerry's never looked better. Yeah, and is, does she have a Kerry accent? N- no. <laughs> <laughs> Does the accent travel more than the two characters do in the film? It, it's malleable. <laughs> it's not bad. It's just it's a diff- I just think an Irish accent in particular is, is difficult to do. And mm. you know, there's been some brilliant Irish act- voices like Kate Blanchett. I thought was amazing when she did Veronica Guerin. Um, but the other people have been a bit more hit and miss. I think <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Okay. But they're actors. You think they'd be able to do it? You know, they'd put the work in. Yeah, it's like I say. It's, it's actually a complicated accent to do. So it, within every county, there's a different accent. So you know. Yeah, yeah. And even within the counties, there's a different accent. Like there's a different accent in Arklow and Wicklow Town. You know, it's it's hard to to nail an Irish accent down. You're being terribly generous to her. No, she is a great, uh, a great she is. actor, it must be said. But, she's a uh, tremendous actress, you know. If you look at, like, and she's so versatile, you know. If you see, think about her as the queen in The Crown, but then you think of her as the godmother in you know, Fleabag, where she's a totally mm. different character. She's a really, really uh, versatile actress, but this is a particularly difficult accent to nail down. Oh, that's a shame. And James can die. I know, Vanula. very sad. Uh, age of 82, his family confirmed last night on Twitter um, and just the outpouring of love and tributes to him. Obviously, such a career. The Godfather. He's probably elf for me. He always will be elf. Not the elf, obviously. <laughs> no, the but the dad and elf. Yeah, the yeah. dad and elf, but like, what a role. Um, but I, in, I kind of didn't know that much about his personal life even until his death, obviously. Um, and I didn't realise this him growing up like basically his dad was like this kosher butcher um, and he didn't want to follow in that line of work so then he was thinking about maybe being a football player but then he got interested in acting and um, when he studied in New York State that's where he met Francis Ford Coppola um, and basically was just like I'm in love with this and then we all know he kind of did this string of movies was mad in the 70s going out and everything else kind of went away 
kept a low profile and then came out with this other string of classics like Misery. I already mentioned Elf. I yeah. won't talk, keep talking about Elf, but best Christmas movie. That's all yeah. I'm going to say. Well, yeah, certainly top yeah. five. Um, yeah. Jennifer Tilly just shared this memory of Can. I hope I can do it justice. Basically, she just said that he always had like the funniest stories for her. And he said, once she said, once he told me Coppola had the habit of grabbing food off his plate and eating it. So one day he made a sandwich with very hot jalapenos between two pieces of buttered bread and waited, waited outside Coppola's uh, dressing room. Coppola came roaring out to direct the next scene, grabbed the sandwich off the plate and gobbled it down. Immediately, tears started squirting out of his eyes and he started yelling, what is this? What did you do to me? And Jimmy said meekly, did I ask you to eat my sandwich? Did I? (laughs) Uh, Not much filming that day, uh, I I would have thought. (laughs) And right, uh, the, the Minions movie, well, the Minions movie came out last week. Yes. And so how's it doing? It's doing incredibly well. I think it's broken the box office record in uh, the US for kind of the biggest opening ever weekend over Independence Day weekend, obviously, because it's like a holiday there. But the story that's kind of come out about this that has just made my life over the past week. So obviously, Minions is a children's movie. They're yellow creatures. They're scientists. I don't fully understand, right? But basically, there was this TikTok trend that's come about this week where these groups of kind of predominantly teenagers, like young adult predominantly men, got all like suited up in formal wear to go see this new Minions movie amongst all the parents and the children. And it started on TikTok, obviously, because it's 2022. Um, and it became this hashtag, like, gentle Minions. So it was just like all these lads fully in- dressed up, like, just to go to the cinema. But as always, these trends kind of get hopped on by, you know, people who don't have the nicest intentions and everything else. So some groups were going to the cinema and basically just wrecking the gaff, like throwing popcorn, like being really hateful, again, amongst probably parents and children who are dying to just see the yellow things run across the screen. Um, So some cinemas have had to ban people and groups turning up in suits and formal wear because they just don't know if they're like nice innocent people who are on a weird hashtag and really like this movie for some reason or whether they're just messers like it's and how did that become a thing that people it was just variety interviewed a couple of groups who started it and there's like a couple of different theories so if you're looking at the age brackets of the guys that are turning up like they grew up with you know despicable me and the minions and they had to wait like two years for this movie to come out because the pandemic so they just thought it was like a nice like wholesome silly thing to do with the bros i don't know i don't understand men and psychology but they <laughs> it's very they, complex yeah, uh, yeah a nuance they, they interviewed one guy in australia and he was basically saying that they'd had like their day a few days beforehand and they had the suits and they just thought it was funny and then they turned up to the cinema and there was another group in suits and they were like all right and it was just it kind of like snowballed from there and then once it becomes this weird tiktok trend i think people started doing it like ironically unironically it's it's very strange we i think we need to unplug the internet though. yeah like this is but are they have, have people been doing it in ireland at all I think some of the cinemas have had to come out with statements being like, we're fine, like, whatever, we're not banning anyone because it was mainly, like, the UK and the US. Like, Universal, the production company behind it, were, like, gave it the seal of approval. They had a tweet being like, all the people turning up in suits, we see you, we love you, which all the cinemas whose, like, theatres are being wrecked were like, please, can we not encourage this heinous behaviour? But, yeah, it was very funny reading, like, the statement from Odeon being like, yeah, it's grand, turn up in your suits. Please don't be overdressed, come into our movie. (laughs) Uh, now, as, I, uh, as you heard earlier, uh, uh, the O'Reilly family uh, were really organised about getting <laughs> tickets for this um, because they have a group chat and everything. And as I said, that uh, we were going to give away two tickets to Gorillas, 
uh, for, and we invited members of the audience uh, to text in. Uh, unfortunately, yet again, and I swear to God this is a coincidence, <laughs> no money has passed hands here, but Owen O'Reilly, <laughs> one of the O'Reilly family, is, uh, is, is, is nearly the winner of the two uh, Gorillas tickets. But oh. Oh, oh. Let me tell you why. Uh, I think you should give the Gorillas tickets to my fiancé, Owen O'Reilly, who is you also know. in the audience because he does a really good monkey impression. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I nearly cursed there. Uh, I think you did curse, but we all we we know what you were, you were thinking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, I'm not going to do it. No, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No tickets for you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we let him have the tickets. Probably not his finest work, but well, congratulations, Owen. <laughs> now, his, that was a bit more monkeyish there. But, oh, look, Emer. Oh, it's lovely. They're in love. Uh, right, so uh, we, al- we already did uh, uh, have that uh, a sip of Prosecco lately. Yes, the first, 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 and uh, we've got two more wines coming. Yeah. Um, summer wines is kind of the theme. Um, did you all like Prosecco? <laughs> um, so, look, you know, you know the way when your government, I mean, when, the, when the guys are coming to your door the next time there's an election, um, what you need to be saying to them is, why do you hate fizz? You don't tax fizzy drinks, you don't tax fizzy water, fizzy Coca-Cola, but you're taxing this, this double taxation on this wine. <gasps> They literally double the tax because there's bubbles in it. No other reason. Frizzante is just under the limit, but this is spumante, and so therefore it's considered fizzy. Frizzante is still considered a still wine, even though it's also fizzy. Yeah, I just thought we should... Uh, yeah. you know, this is never going to change unless we lobby them. Yeah, Leslie Williams <laughs> will be running in Dublin South Central uh, in the next election. Uh, is Valerie Coleman in the audience? There she is. She's up the back there, Simon. Uh, oh, Valerie, you sat in the most awkward seat uh, for Simon to get you, but uh, there she is. Hello, Valerie. Hello. How are you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you come from today? Bayside, round the corner from you. Ah, you're kidding. <laughs> Jesus, this is such a fix, this show. I know. <laughs> where, where, well, like, don't be, you know, exact, but whereabouts in Bayside do you live? Sutton Park. Really? Well, that's Crossing not around the, the corner. Station. Oh, that's, that's where not. We see you. Sorry, that's the posh bit. That's past the invisible line where you're actually in something. <laughs> oh, fierce oh, posh. Yeah, your, your house is worth far more than mine. <laughs> are, are you well? Yes, very. Thank you. Okay, I'm glad to hear that because you have had a few brushes with, you know, a few health issues and that kind of stuff. But there was that. That's yeah. in the rear, rear view mirror. Things now. beginning with C and I don't really get on. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying. Anyway, what we thought we'd do. Uh, given that you're from Bayside, we thought we'd give you a two-night stay in Faith Leg and Waterford with breakfast on both mornings and dinner in the evening of your choice. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Uh, to a Northsider. You're, you know, you're one of my neighbours. I have to give you that. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Uh, Fanula, in the meantime, have you, I assume you've seen the, the Lightyear movie. I actually haven't, no. Oh, right. I, so the reviews weren't great. No. They were like, have you seen it? I've seen it, yeah. What do you think of it? It was okay. Yeah, like, That's it, all it was. was a lot of, it was a lot Arlene, of, have you, you seen haven't it? seen it? Oh, seen what? It's the light year. You weren't paying attention at all. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about yeah. the song, sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't seen it. Yeah. But I've heard mixed reviews about it, so yeah. it's not really. Yeah, it was okay. That's yeah, it was, ba- I can't, there's a part of me that feels like it was a bit like doomed to start, kind of, so like, for anyone who doesn't know, it's basically, they did like this animated 
uh, to, based on Toy Story, that like Buzz Lightyear, but it's telling the story of the astronaut Buzz Lightyear. And then there was this whole kerfuffle because obviously they cast Chris Evans instead of uh, Tim Allen, and Tim Allen was very devastated and everything else. And Tom Hanks has kind of weighed in now on him not being cast in it, and basically said that he kind of thinks it didn't make sense, and that he, if they were going to do that story, uh, because he played Woody, obviously he would have loved like a real life, I don't know, astronaut cowboy real life standoff between the two of them but I don't know how that would work because cowboys yeah. didn't exist in the in the time of astronauts but yeah Tom Hanks was um, similarly disappointed so. yeah, but Tim Allen thinks he, he wasn't given to it because he's like a republican and stuff pretty much yeah like he's kind of fallen out of public favor a lot especially in the last like post and I suppose during the Trump era but I mean like Tim Allen hasn't been he's kind of uh, settled down about it a bit he just kind of said that like I'm sure it was a good movie um, but he just said it didn't kind of he kind of said that the story didn't <laughs> Tom go. Hanks hasn't seen it either <laughs> Jesus I'm the only one <laughs> um, but just that it kind of it didn't make it kind of it felt disconnected from the actual toy is what Tim Allen said he said yeah. he would have liked more of the toy in it but I suppose then the whole point was that it wasn't about the toy. It was about the astronaut that inspired the toy. At the start of the film, it says that... Uh, um, what was the name of the child in Toy Story? Andy. Andy. That Andy, you know, loved Buzz Lightyear because he went to see it and bought the Buzz Lightyear toy because he'd seen the film. Okay. And this is the film. That's so. it. You only have to do that much explaining. I'm oh, a bit yeah. like, you know... And then there was a whole thing of, like, there's a same-sex kissing scene or something, and sure, some of the countries were going mad about that because we're down with this sort of thing, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that hampered its success as well. But, yeah, Chris Evans was not enough to bring people to the cinema to see it. No, but also the story didn't make any sense. Oh, that's... There's a, a whole, there's a whole time that, travel... That tends to be an issue as well. There's a whole time travel thing that makes no sense whatsoever. Oh, yeah. okay. There's a whole, we're stranded on this planet... Oh, no, but we can leave the planet, but not. We're stranded on this planet. Right. That made no sense either. So there won't be a light year two, you reckon? I would doubt it. Okay. Uh, somehow. Would we like a, a, and I was going to say Andy, would we like a Woody prequel story, Cowboys? Well, I did have to say, there was also a Woody Cowboy story. <laughs> uh, this was the film he saw. Just so this, fully, the, like... Andy's parents were, you know, bringing him to the cinema, and yeah. every time there was another 200 bucks... Slaves to capitalism. Yeah. I, okay, I would watch that then, yeah, toys, absolutely. The poor things. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk, coming to you from the Sugar Club. With thanks to our friends in Marks and Spencers. That was our second hit of uh, the Conor McKeown band, uh, Naked. Uh, and they're, they're just back from playing the J.P. McManus golf thingy. Was you... We, we, did you hobnob with celebrities at this thing? I did. Yeah, who, I had to. Who were you hobnobbing with? Well, uh, we, had, um, we had a great night, a Monday night show, and we were there. There was uh, Tiger was there, Tiger Woods. Um, Rory McIlroy in, in fairness I'm not a big golf fan so I recognise about three of these guys <laughs> well that's two you mentioned already exactly. did, you, did you meet uh, um, Bill Murray everybody yes, else did Bill Murray yeah. uh, Mark uh, there was another famous uh, American guy can't think of his name sorry <laughs> but there was lots of sport lots of footballers that, I, that I'm, I'm Kenny Dalgleish I'm a big fan of Kenny Dalgleish got to meet Kenny was like a dream was fantastic yeah. you're a Liverpool fan I am you? Yeah, and, you yes. did, uh, and whose wedding did you do Excuse me? Whose wedding did you We do? did uh, Jason McIntyre's wedding in Drumoland. Right. Yes. <laughs> he stayed in some very nice hotel rooms, I'm guessing. Yeah. It was great. We, um, it was the, the wedding, uh, it's funny, I have to say, I shouldn't admit it, but the gig itself didn't go that great. Um, it was one of those where you expect it to be brilliant because it's, you're, you're playing for one of your, your idols kind of stuff. And there was loads of, like, Steve McManaman was his best man. He had Robbie Fowler and 
uh, all these ex-Liverpool players, I just was in awe of, but um, it was after the gig was better, because hanging out with these guys, sitting and having a drink with them, they were all very, very friendly, very nice guys. Robbie Fowler was like, I just I, I couldn't talk. It was <laughs> That's why the gig didn't go well, exactly. uh, probably. <laughs> At the last pro-am, though, the first one that you did, did, yes. did, did uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones was... was Throwing herself around in front of you. Yeah, not at me, unfortunately. Yeah. Other members of the band. No, she yeah. was there with uh, Michael Douglas, and I, I, again, I didn't know who she was. She saw this good looking woman dancing in front of us, and uh, it turns out it was Catherine Cedar Jones, but yeah, she was shouting up requests for the band and stuff. Very, very nice lady. And, um, and did Douglas. he do any dancing at all? Or? He was kind of shuffling around in the background. <laughs> I think that's a permanent state, actually. <laughs> aren't they divorced now? Very much so. Oh, they're together. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry, yeah. Probably. Also, have you not seen him dance Wrong to Lil Tour in Basic Instinct? Would you want to see him dancing again? <laughs> oh, yeah. I blanked that one out. Uh, also, like, uh, you've, met, you've met Richard Gere. Richard Gere, yeah. Yeah. Is he a little fella? He, uh, he didn't seem that little, no. Oh, no, I always got the Unless impression you could, like, pick him up. He's that small, you know. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I didn't try to pick him up, but... Uh, yeah. Ah, you should have when you had the chance, really. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes. Uh, Connor, thanks a million. And we will be hearing so from Connor and, and the band again. Thank you very at much. The, at the, and best of luck with recording the new album. Cheers. Well, thanks a million. Is, uh, Thank uh, you. Uh, right, so uh, it is time for movies and booze, so we might as well uh, uh, have some. Tell us about our first uh, Marks and Spencer's wine. This is a white wine. Yes, this is uh, Pinot Grigio, and this is part of their Classics range, Classics number four. The Classics range was introduced about three years ago. It's a really good idea. It's about 15 or 16 wines, because it could be even more now at this stage, um, all of which for, would be from classic regions. So if you've heard of Vouvray but don't know what it tastes like, there's a Vouvray. If you've heard of Rioja but want to try an inexpensive one, um, there's a Rioja. And there's also some things like, say, Gewürztraminer, you know, unusual grape varieties that you wouldn't necessarily see. M&S are brilliant at finding good producers and then offering them a huge contract because they have a lot of stores, and so they get really good quality stuff. Um, you know, it, it'll all be labelled M&S, but you look at the back label, and sometimes you'll find it's made by, I don't know, Lustau for the sherries, or, you know, like the, the um, Prosecco was made by quite a well-known producer. This is made by the Bedoli family, um, which is also, like, there's a whole load of their wines on the market here. You'll come across them in restaurants and so on. Uh, brother and sister team, um, they're from Friuli, which is sort of on the northeast coast of, of Italy. The, the Appalachian is Venezzi, which is basically a, a kind of a northeastern region. There's all these sort of hills and cool breezes coming down from the Alps, so it's perfect for growing light, crisp white wines. Pinot Grigio, I mean, it gets a bit maligned because a lot of them are very, very simple and so on, but I think this has actually got quite a nice bit of flavour into it, a nice bit of fragrance and roundness. The grape itself is a mutation of Pinot Noir, um, so Pinot Gris people might have come across from Alsace, mm. um, and so it, Pinot Gris in Alsace is made in a very floral, creamy style, but if you pick it a little younger like they do here and um, remove the skins and so on, you get a lovely white wine, a really crisp, zingy white wine. It's a perfect summer wine. You don't have to think about it too much, you know. Mm. It's, it's, um, but there's a lovely bit of fragrance, a bit of of apple fruit to it and um, have you tasted it from what it's delicious so Pinot Grigio is kind of like our second most biggest selling white wine in Ireland after Sauvignon Blanc Sauvignon yeah. Blanc still rules the roost you know yeah. why has, uh, has Pinot Grigio become so popular it just <laughs> I hesitate to say this <laughs> uh, well, it's a bit like Budweiser it's very inoffensive you know it's, it's, it's no, very God, there's a sponsorship gone <laughs> No, no, it's very, very clean, but it's... It's, it's lovely. It's much nicer <laughs> no, than no, the other I actually, well, I actually will drink that beer because it's got 
no pretensions. It just is so straightforward, so clean, so fruity, and, and it does what it says in the tin. And, mm. you know, I mean, I've heard somebody actually say, oh, yeah, I like peanut gray jelly because it doesn't taste much, but, you know, that's unfair. It, yeah. The good ones do have flavor. This is when you're meeting people on Coronation Street. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. With an English box. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, no, I, I will defend peanut gray jelly, and especially ones from from this part of Italy, um, from Trentino, from Friuli, um, from the Veneto. Um, now, you know, don't be buying it really from, you know, um, the southern villages because it is so popular, everyone is trying to make Pina Grigio. Um, but I think this is the classic place that it comes from. Um, and I, I don't know, I think it's, I think it's really interesting. That mm. it, 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 it's, for what it is, it just, it, it, it just washes away the blues. It's, it's, you know, it has the power oh to God. banish care. You know, it, it, oh it, it, no. it's just one of those... We know what Pinot Grigio is going to taste like, and this is exactly what it should taste like, but actually few of them taste as good as this. In my mm. Yeah. So. What is it that's making you sad, then? <laughs> <laughs> Not enough Pinot Grigio. <laughs> that's probably uh, that's a, that's as good an answer as any. Has, it, has Pinot Grigio been around for a long time? Oh, yeah, I mean, they've been the first... No. Back in um, the distant days, when I started drinking wine back in the early 90s, there was less of it. You tended to, you, you existed, but you tended to buy Orviettos and Suaves and things like that, which were similarly really light and simple. They've actually kind of gone a bit posh in the meantime, but Pinagrigio has kind of come in to take over that space of the sort of under a tenner or under a fiver back it was then, as it was back then. It's just, it's really just drinkable, and that's what people like it. it, it you don't have to think about it. In the same way Sauvignon Blanc is very straightforward. I, you know, it's not something you're going to try and pair with food as such, but it's something mm. to sip while you're cooking the barbecue. Um, it's, it's certainly not going to harm any food. We, we fuss a bit too much about trying to match food and wine. Often you just want oh, to yeah. thirst and yeah. you kind of just keep it clean. But, but look, Pinot Grigio is an interesting grape. If you, if you search in the glass, you will find flowers and you will find herbal notes and, and sort of apples and sort of lime peel and things like that. I mean, yeah, it's an inexpensive wine. It's 11 euros, so you're not going to get as much as you would well, get on it. You know, yeah. But it's not... It's, you know, I think for that price, you're getting a lot of flavour. You know? Yeah. So, um, okay. Uh, uh, do we have a Julie Haynes in the audience? Could you put up your hand, Julie, if you're here? <laughs> no. Not John O'Reilly. Are you Julie Haynes? No, I'm here in Oh, come on. Go on. I'm here in Stedifer. Oh, no, Sorry. what happened to her? I don't know. She just contacted me and said, Joan, by any chance, would you like two tickets to go to see Pond Mud? Sean Mud. Oh, right. And so, so you don't know whether, you know, she's not ill or she hasn't COVID. No, I, she looks, she's a great looking bird. You'd be better off if she was here. <laughs> <laughs> and is it, is it true it's her 40th birthday today? That must be it, yes. <laughs> yeah. So she basically got a better offer. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and sorry, what's your name? Joan, did you say? Joan Halpin. Yeah. Would you like two tickets to Florence in the Machine? I'm sure I would. I'm sure Julie would, which is more to Are the you point. sure now? I'll yeah. to Julie. She, they're very loud. Uh, um, Florence has got big hair. That's, oh, all, that's all I can tell you about them. She's a fabulous looking girl with great, great way about her, so I'd say she'd love all that. Okay. Is she single? No, she's married to M- M- Mr. Haynes. Mr. Haynes. Okay, yeah. that's good. I thought for a minute there there was... Big travel you know, agency in Dunleary. Really? Advertise, yeah. Hang on now. So, so these are... And, and I'll tell you, she looks like somebody from the cover of, what was that, sports magazine? Sports, sports Illustrated. Illustrated. Blonde, body, everything. Gorgeous. Well, well, it's good she has a body. So they're well got then. <laughs> There's a few bob there. Yeah, so she'd love that, I'd say. Yeah. 
something for free. Rich yeah. people always love something for free, <laughs> don't they? Okay. Well, now, Joan, if, you, if you'd like to go yourself, uh, we'll uh, give you the tickets. They're your tickets. Yeah, now, because she sure. didn't turn up, so... I'm a bit out of the tooth for Florence and the machine. No, I you think. don't know. Don't be talking yourself down that way. I'll offer nice. them to her anyway, if that's yeah. all right with you. All right. It's, it's, completely your, it's completely your decision. But, Joan, congratulations. Thank uh, you, you get very two much. tickets to Florence and the machine. That might go to Julie Haynes. Yes. You give them to her butler or something like that. <laughs> That's, what That's great. Bit. Yeah, okay. Did they have a nice house in Dunleary? They do. They live in the Coolanor Estate, two doors from me. <laughs> <laughs> and she's got... She's two, she's two gorgeous twin girls and a little boy. Right. Yeah. And all those children, she kept her figure. Uh, oh, yeah? Oh, she's out every day with her friend Carolyn running around the estate. <laughs> right. I think our lawyers might have to go through all that information at <laughs> New Stock Towers. Joan, thanks a million. You're a tonic. Well done. God of Thunder. King Yakan. You have finally joined our fight. Well, as they say, better late than not at all. This is very nice. As you know, we used to live in a peaceful oasis. But then our gods were murdered. Murdered? And now our sacred temple has been left unguarded and Hukus holds to control of its power. It is our most sacred shrine and he desecrates. Not for long. Ah. King Yakan, tell them what happened here today. Tell them the time that four, the ragtag motley crew, misfit desperados, turn the time of the battle and etch their names in history. The odds may be against us, but I'll tell you this for free. Here it comes. This ends here and now! There you go, oh. that's... That's uh, possibly the only round of applause that film might get, but uh, that is, um, uh, that's uh, Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, yes, yes it was. <laughs> yes it was. Uh, there, was your man from the, um, the other movie there, did I see him in that clip? That, yeah, so at the start of... Uh, the man from, uh, very precise. You know the film. Yeah, I, I, I know exactly. You're, yeah. I'm, you're talking about Star-Lord from yes. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Yes, because at the start of this film, uh, Thor and Korg, he's large rock friend who's played by uh, 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 Taika Waititi as well. Um, they're travelling with the Guardians of the Galaxy um, and they're f- going from one battle to another battle to another battle, but it's getting on the Guardians of the Galaxy's nerves because Thor is such an amazing fighter and he can bring down the, the power of the, of, the, of, the, of the gods, basically, to fight and they have to rely on weapons and things like of that nature. And so he just comes in and keeps showing them up all the time. So eventually Star-Lord decides that really Thor should go on about his business and find himself uh, right. and take Korg with him and also two screaming goats which are very important to this film. <laughs> okay, so where does Thor go? Well, as he's thinking about going off to find himself and become a better god, uh, he gets word that there is a new botheration in the universe, uh, that somebody is going around brutally murdering and slaughtering all of the other go- those random gods in this universe, and so it's somebody is going around and killing all the other gods. And so 
he goes back to Asgard to make sure that he's there so he can protect the people of Asgard. And uh, he arrives there just in time because now uh, Gore, the uh, god butcher, is on his way and he's going to go directly to Asgard to uh, take out. Okay, the god butcher. And that's... Yes, no, it's not subtle. It's not subtle. It's not subtle at all. And that's essentially the premise of the film, that's Thor versus the god butcher. It's very much Thor versus the god butcher. The god butcher is played in this... uh, in this movie by Christian Bale, who is oh. enormously sinister the whole way through the film. He's actually very, he's actually portrayal of, of a bad person is extremely good. He's very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, suspiciously good, yeah. Um, and obviously, uh, Chris Hemsworth is back again as the Asgardian himbo galloping around the universe <laughs> and having the time of his life. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, good fun, it's good fun. And that, it, the setup is perfect for that because, you know, you've got the, the power of good versus the power of very, very bad. Because a lot of the Marvel films like are, you know, broadcasting from inside their own sphincter muscles. Uh, but the Thor movies <laughs> tended to be kind of have a bit more of a sense of humor and a likeness to them. Does this have that? Yeah, because so, so what happened... Well, especially when Thor Ragnarok came out, because that was the first time uh, Taika Waititi was was given the reins Mm. and was allowed to have free reign. And, you know, it was, I think of all the Marvel movies, it's my favourite. You know, it has had a brilliant cast. It had a very wonderfully witchy Kate Blanchett in it, who is, you know, playing, Mm. uh, you know, Hela, who was his sister. And obviously you have Loki and you have all of the kind of mischievous gods. And it was just, it was really well held together. There was a good storyline. It was very funny. Um, but there was a lot of good action in it, and it was just—it was a fun film. It was a fun film to go and see. Yeah. So, is this a fun film to go and see? It's—it's um, it's enjoyable. I just think. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, and I should—I should clarify this carefully. It is very good and it's very funny. I just think, in comparison, and maybe I shouldn't be comparing it to Thor Ragnarok. I think Thor Ragnarok hit, hit it perfectly. Mm. It, it hit all the right notes, and I think while this hits plenty of the right notes. I think it's just not as good a film. I just, I just don't think it's as good a film as Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Okay. What would have made it a better film? Well, there's a lot of humour in not that there's anything wrong, but there seems to be a lot of humour in places that's just humour put in, in places as opposed to a bit of development or pot development mm. or, you know, a little bit more. And also it deals a lot with the, the, say with the Asgardian children. They are taken by Gore in, a, in a, bat, a huge battle at the start of the movie. And whenever they go to deal with the Asgardian children, these are just Asgardian children, it, the film seems to drop out of itself slightly. You know, it, if once you're away from... You know, Thor and, um, you know, Mighty Thor, who's played by Natalie Portman, who I'll explain that now in a second, why she's in it, why she's Mighty Thor. You know, once you step away from them and you step away from Gore, the, you know, the God Butcher, and you deal, go back to the children, and they're in it quite a bit, it just loses a lot of energy. I understand why they have to be back and forth with them a little bit, because you don't want to forget that that's what the plot is about. But it's just, you know, there's a lot of Thor explaining to the children how brave they are, but they're not really that brave. Yeah. They're not really brave at all. Ah, they're kids. They have no idea they're what's kids, going you know, on. And, and Natalie Portman, I thought, was just like a regular human who was, you know, a yeah, scientist. She, which, yes, she was. She was Thor's um, great first love yeah. uh, in the earlier movies. And uh, she's back, uh, Jane. And she she's back in it because she's very unwell. She's very sick. She's very, very sick in this movie. At the start of this movie, she's very, very sick. And so the only way that she sick, can... Sick with what? Just very, a very she bad had, disease. Had the COVID. Uh, <laughs> no, she didn't have COVID. No, okay. Uh, she's, uh, she's got cancer. Oh, okay. And uh, 
So the only way that she can find a way to repair herself or, or, or at least give herself a fighting chance is she goes to Asgard where Thor's old hammer, Molnir, which is destroyed by Hera in uh, Thor Ragnarok, it just splintered into a million pieces. Uh, as soon as it, it recognised Jane, as soon as it felt Jane's presence, it you know, reconnected itself as one and then she was allowed wield. Basically, the hammer thought she was worthy and so she was allowed to wield the hammer. And as soon as she picks up the hammer and wields the hammer, she becomes mighty Thor. Okay. And, uh, then you can have more than one Thor. And she's all well again kind of thing. As, as mighty Thor she yes. is. Yeah. I mean, obviously everything has a cost. Okay. Uh, so but when, uh, she, uh, she and, and this hammer, once they're together, they're, she's, she's powerful. She's strong. She's, she's got everything that Thor would have, essentially. Okay. And her and Thor, are they making the sweet, sweet Thor love uh, in the course when, of this movie? There's a whole host of things going on here. First of all, Thor has a new um, uh, weapon because obviously he doesn't have his hammer anymore. And yeah. Thor's first love is probably... Yeah, his- symbolism isn't very subtle here, is it? <laughs> so, yeah, so Thor's first love is probably his hammer, if I'm being yeah. honest. <laughs> Men aren't complicated, as we know, yes. And so when he arrives in Asgard and the battle is commencing with the demons and the monsters and he sees his hammer whizzing around the place looking mighty fine... Uh, he automatically calls to his hammer, as, as you would, yeah. and the hammer just goes, no, no, and goes straight back to the Mighty hammer. Thor. Yeah. And meanwhile, Thor's new weapon, which is a sentient axe, <laughs> <laughs> named Stormbreaker, obviously notices that Thor's real first love is for his other weapon, and gets into a strap about oh my God, it. a huffy axe. A huffy axe. Worst. Who knew? Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's some really very funny scenes where, uh, where you know, Thor is in the middle of some sort of you know, complicated scene talking to his hammer <laughs> and the axe drifts into the scene looking at him like that. So it's, it's very funny. It's very well done. It's very, very funny. Uh, the idea of two weapons being jealous of each other is, is quite something. Okay, you sold it really well. Now <laughs> I want to see it. <laughs> but I, it's very funny. Yeah. I could do with the drink. But I do want to see it. Speaking of, uh, let's move on to our second wine. So, second wine is uh, Portuguese red. And uh, Portugal, um, there are a few places that I will say you can go into random shops and buy from that country. Um, Spain and Portugal, um, but Portugal in particular, I think, is, is a really good example of that. This is 13 euros 30, and it is uh, Lisboa Bonita, which means sort of beautiful Lisbon. Um, there's an attractive label, actually, as well. That's, that's mm. one of those sort of um, tiles that you see on. Um, on buildings uh, around Portugal, um, that sort of blue-white tile. Uh, this is made by Casa Santa Lima, which are a huge producer. You'll find their wines in pretty much every shop in Ireland. But the, this specific blend was made for them. It's got some oak in it. It's got a whole mix of obscure Portuguese grapes, which um, mm. Portugal only uses about 7 or 8% of grapes you've heard of. Um, this has got Triga Nacional. It's got Castelao. It's got Tinta, uh, Tinta Francesa, I think, and Tinta um, and Turiga Franca, I think, are the three. And I think some version... I think they changed the blend most years but what I like about it is it's just so fruity and that's what wines from both Lisboa and a little bit further south in Alentejo do they're just really dark fruited crowd pleasers you could chill this down um, you could actually throw a nice yes you could actually yeah yeah, and for barbecues and kind of there's a smoky richness about it there's Mm. a nice bit of weight to it it's Portugal is great and and the wines are so inexpensive I mean it's you know this is well this is 1330 you're paying there a little bit for the oak I suspect Um, but um 
I just think it's, it's, it's a really solid example of what you can get under 15 euros from, uh, from Portugal. Yeah. When wine producers make a blend, is it, you know, the, the, and you can have, you know, mm. Dada or whatever, like a, a name brand, do they have to keep, you know, shopping around every year or a couple of years for, for um, a combination of well, grapes? They usually have for. contracts set ahead at yeah. time if, if they're a big producer and so on. But yeah, but I mean, to a certain degree, that's the winemaker's skill. I mean, champagne... I mean, as an example, would be is it, the whole idea of non-vintage champagne is that it tastes the same every year. That there is mm. a house style and and big brands like this and these guys are making a lot of wine. Now this is all one producer, so it's easier. So he knows what's going to be uh, in it. But yeah, but there would be some years they. Um, the reason I'm, I'm hesitant about the grapes is because they my sister sent me a list of the grapes and they're different to the list that I found online, <laughs> which may be a different vintage. You know what I mean? Yeah, so all I right. Okay. It, but it, so it, that can vary then yeah, from year but, to year, and they course. would just be still going for that same rich, full flavor. Um, and you can do that. I mean, so as to how they do the blend, I mean, usually the, the grapes are fermented separately. So the Tariga Nacional is fermented in one tank and then the Cachalau in another tank and mm. so on. And you do occasionally get co-ferments where everything is thrown together. But that's more a kind of a product of sort of natural winemaking where people are having a bit of fun and just sort of that's how things used to be done. You just threw all the grapes in together. Um, but these days they're much more controlled and these would be fermented separately and then blended. And yeah. there's an art of that. But, but, like, yeah, but that process, is yeah. that literally kind of yeah, you, you, get you, in you, you take it a graduated cylinder yeah. and you put in, you know, 20% of one, 30% of another, and you keep doing it until you've got a blend that you're happy with. And you've got a couple of colleagues basically maybe trying the same thing. I've done this in, there's some vineyards, if you go to Rioja, where they'll give you a chance to do this, blending the American oak with the French oak wines, maybe the one that's a combination and so on, and trying to come up with a blend that's suitable, you know? It's, it's, a, it's an interesting process. Yeah. The Champagne does that. I mean, that's, there's a whole tasting every year in Champagne um, of the, for the Van Clare, where you go over and that you literally taste the dry wine before it's been, had sugar added and then been bottled to create the fizz. And it's, it's really fascinating how they can do that and how you're because you've got to predict not just what the wine is going to be like in, in, a, in two years' time after it's gone through the second fermentation, but also just like how it's going to age for 20 years as maybe in the finer wines and so on. So it's a, it is a proper skill, you know? Yeah, so, uh, I would imagine so, and probably pretty good fun uh, as yeah. well. Uh, Bojo Movies is uh, the top trend in Ireland. Uh, I'm delighted to say it became the top trend in Ireland about five minutes after they started it. Look who's talking poo. Uh, would be, <laughs> uh, one particular uh, example of that one. Uh, right, okay, is, uh, is, is Christine Harms in the audience? Yeah. There she is there. Now, Simon's just going to uh, uh, run up to you there uh, so we can say hello to you. There he goes, yeah, and uh, uh, while, the, uh, while the band and things are, are getting ready. Uh, a, cr- a crook, a thief with as many wives and lovers is another Bojo movie. Christine, how are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, uh, and uh, I, uh, is it right to say uh, congratulations for today? Oh, well, it was during the week. We it was during the week? Fi- yeah, 15 years married. 15 years married. Oh. Congratulations. <laughs> and uh, uh, what did he get you? Uh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've, oh, had a ver- we've had a very... Oh, no. We, we, had a, we had a hard year. So. You did. You did yeah. indeed ha- yeah. have a yeah. hard year. And yeah. uh, that was obviously you're referring to your son, Jack. Yes. Uh, yeah. who, who left you last year. So yes. that was uh, obviously a, a, yes. a, a tough time for you. Yes. Uh, so, but do you have any plans for tonight? Yeah, we're going to go for dinner, I think. Right. Okay. Yeah. Is he bringing you someplace fancy now to make we- up for the lack of a present? Off the bat. <laughs> Off the bat, he's bringing you to a sports bar. <laughs> no, we're just going to go somewhere off the bat. Okay, right. All right, you just got hoping for the best. Yes. Yeah. In the middle of Dublin on a summer's night, <laughs> night. that you'll get a reservation. <laughs> 
He's an optimist anyway. I'll give him oh, yes. that. Yes, he is. He is. God bless him. Yes. Uh, I tell you what, though, and this thing is now, is that you can now torture him with this, which is the best gift you can give on a wedding anniversary, I think. <laughs> You're getting a two-night stay for two people at Fota Island in Cork with breakfast oh before the mornings and dinner one evening of your Thank choice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you deserve you. it. And uh, over dinner, you can just say to him, I won this, not you. I won this. Yeah, I'm the one who listens. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. So congratulations. Have a good night well, tonight as well. Hopefully you. Thank you, very you fi- much. Hopefully you find a place. Yep, welcome back uh, to the Sugar Club. We're here with, uh, thanks to our friends in Marks and Spencers uh, for our live outside broadcast. Actually, Leslie, uh, a few people, including uh, Christine, who we were talking to earlier on. Mm. Uh, could you repeat the names of the wines? Oh, people I can are you do that. So, know that. So the first one was, is uh, Marks and Spencers Prosecco Rosé, Rosato, basically. Mm. It's in a pink bottle. It'll just say Marks and Spencers. It's 15 euros, uh, and it's their full Spumante one. By the way, 15 is really good for a Spumante. That's... that's you know, a good three or four euro less than you'll pay in any other place. Uh, the second one is the Marks and Spencer's classic Pinot Grigio, number four. So it's in a, all the classics have a similar label, and it just says Pinot Grigio on it. And the third is uh, Lisboa Bonita, L-I-S-B-O-A-B-O-N-I-T-A, and it's got a blue tile on the front. You can't miss it in a nice sort of weighty... Yeah, uh, it's a lovely, yeah, it's a, it's a lovely... So, and that's the 1330s. Okay, great. Uh, and um, Gabriel Byrne is a horse, Fanula? Well, he's going to voice a horse. He's not going full method eating hay for Okay. Um, he's going to voice. I thought it was a bit like some sort of new trans development. <laughs> he's identifying as a horse. Not quite. Um, he's going to lend his voice to the TV adaption of the, the best-selling book, which I've never read, but like I've just kind of seen it everywhere. It's the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse. It's going to be on, people know in the audience, oh, that's yeah. good. It's going to be on uh, the BBC uh, this Christmas time. So it's him, he's playing the horse. Idris Elba is also cast. And Tom Hollander, who people know from Pride and Prejudice and The Night Manager. I don't know who of the animals or boy they're going to be, but one of them, I'm presuming. Um, and for anyone who's not familiar with the book, it basically like explores the friendship between these four characters as they journey together in search of a home. So it'll be grand and wholesome for Christmas. I can't okay. believe I mentioned Christmas twice, and it's July. I'm very sorry. Yeah. I do not have an agenda. This just happened to be the stories. They're all hot animals, though, given the voices that they're doing. Right, uh, we'll move on to our second film of the day. It is Joyride. Let's listen out for that accent. Bonnie. You need to come back now. I need that money. Bully! Who are you? I've a plane to catch. You're going to come with me and help look after the baby. In return, I won't press charges. How is she there? She's fine. How do you know if you won't check? Because she's giving me a little thumbs up. We'll play question for question. But you have to tell the truth. You can't be arsed to fight, would you? What's the baby's name? Robin. My name's Joy. I know. False advertising. Not the bringer of joy, apparently. You're a mentalist. I'm practical and solution orientated. You just have to trust me. <gasps> Got nothing with me, honest to goodness. I've left my face at the bottom of me. Wash bag. I might just pop the boot there for a minute. I'm good. There you go. That's uh, that's Joy right there. Jesus, I'm good. Uh, right, so maybe we'll get to. Actually, we'll ask everybody what. Uh, thumbs up for the accent. What would you think? Uh, nah, it's a mixed reception there. I think really, she wouldn't make a quota uh, with that vote. It's, it's 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 not Kevin Spacey bad. I promise. It's right. Not. Okay. 
That's a whole other level. Of that. <laughs> I know. But I've never heard I've never heard anyone do an Irish accent like him before in my life. So um, it, it's 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 not genuinely it's not that bad. It's, yeah. it's it just meanders a bit. Okay. All right. So what's the what's the premise of the film? Okay. So we open up the young fella there. Mully is his name, and he's uh, his Mully's mom has died from cancer, and when we open up, he's at a fundraiser for his mother. Um, and he's collecting the glasses, and he sings, and he's great. He's a brilliant little character. This, by the way, this is the, this child's first time in a, in a movie. He's the first time actor. Charlie Reed is his name. He's astoundingly good, um, which is very impressive for a first time. And anyway, so his mom has died, and he's doing a fundraiser. And when they get to the end of the fundraiser and his little song and stuff like that, his dad takes the money and was tr- is trying to get lost with the money, so he has to pay off gambling debts. And mm. the young fella takes the money back, and he goes on the run. And while he's going on the run, he finds an idling taxi down the road and he jumps in and drives off. But he doesn't look in the back seat. And in the back seat is Joy and her newborn, more or less newborn baby. Joy's passed out in the back seat and he, he didn't see her and she didn't see him. And they're just, he just takes off. He puts his foot to the floor and off they go. And that's Olivia Coleman in yeah. the, back of the car with the bit. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so is it then about Olivia Coleman trying to. Uh, well, she wakes up, you know. Yeah, and she wakes, she wakes up, up and. and you know, he has a look behind, and he. They, I think they both get as much of a fright when they when he, they realise they're stuck in the same car together. He wants to dump her as quickly as he can. He dumps the taxi, he gets another car, and he wants to get rid of her as well. But she's having none of it, so she insists that he take her to this uh, town a couple of miles away and then she's going to go from that town, she's going to go directly to the airport and she's flying off to Lanzarote. Now she doesn't tell him why she needs to get to this town for a while, but he has his suspicions. He's just, he's just not, because her, it's obviously her child, but she has no connection to this child mm. at all. She's, she's actually quite ruesque with it and you know, slams a bottle down on the, on, the, on the car and says, you feed her. And she just, she clearly yeah. doesn't want anything to do with this baby. Yeah. Uh, okay, so it would be a spoiler to give away uh, why she feels that way towards the baby, I assume. But, she, uh, she's, she's, she's a woman who's struggling. Her mother, her own mother had died nine months beforehand, and so that ties in very much with her grief and her abilities and everything else, and that she had a fractious relationship with her mother, so it was all very complicated. Okay, so, well, judging from that trailer, it seemed uh, like it might be funny. It's, uh, it's, it's, it, the first half of it, it is. It's, 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 it's a kind of a, you know, it's very slapstick and very funny and very physical in the first half, but it's the second half where it really picks up because she, suddenly delves into her bag of acting talent and she makes it all her own. She's amazing and she's genuinely amazing. The second you'd have to have a heart of stone not to just feel for her in the second heart. Like she just she'd break your heart. Okay, so weeping, guaranteed weeping. I I had a, where she's one scene where she's talking to her friend on the phone. I won't lie, I had sniffles. Okay, well that's you can't say any better than that. Is it a cinema movie or a, a you know hungover in a Saturday afternoon movie? It's both. Yeah. You know, you could okay. go to see it in the cinema, it'd be fine, but it's absolutely perfect if you want to just sit on your sofa and watch it as well. You know, it, 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 it moves along at a hell of a pace. Like, it, it really, really doesn't let up from the word go. You know, it, it, there's not a huge a lot of backstory to it, really. It just moves forward. And, and it's interesting, in the film, she says a lot of the time, I'm moving forward, I'm not going back. And that seems to be very much the thread of the film. Okay, sounds very watchable indeed. Right, that's our uh, lot for today. Thanks, of course, to Arlene, uh, Leslie uh, and Fanula. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk.